Hey guys, it's Morgan here. I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm joined by my husband and co-host, Josiah. Josiah, how are you doing this morning? Great. We're in a home studio today, giving hugs, high fives, handshakes, (laughs) kisses, the whole works, and just excited to take a few minutes to record this podcast today. Well, we have a very special guest um, who is going to be speaking into our lives and the lives of any listener, and I don't want to waste any more time on us, but I would love for you to tell the listener who that special guest is, because she's played an important part in our lives and in our marriage um, and in our finances and her dad has as well. So who is the special female guest? I love female guests because we're saturated with men on this. So it's fun always to have a female on board. So who is behind the door? Drum roll, please. Ah! So I mean, we're, we're getting ready to introduce to the Young Adults Today podcast, Rachel Cruz. Rachel is an American author who really specializes on the subject of personal finance. Her book, Smart Money, Smart Kids, is co-authored with her father, Dave Ramsey reached the number one on the New York Times bestseller list in 2014. That's incredible. Congrats, by the way. Her second book, Love Your Life, Not Theirs, is Seven Money Habits for Living the Life That You Want, was published in 2016. Rachel frequently travels for media tours and speaking events all across the nation, all across the globe. And we have heard her speak on a couple of occasions in Minneapolis. And so, Rachel, welcome to the Young Adults Today podcast. Thanks for joining us. Yes, guys. Thanks for having me on. I so appreciate it. Well, we are so excited. We can just tell that there is a smile on your face, if you're listening right now, that Rachel, she's beautiful. She has a heart for people and a heart for this topic specifically. So we are praying that you as a listener are truly blessed by everything that God has been doing in her life right. and how you can start applying and changing and seeing your dreams be fulfilled due to being wise with money. So Rachel, we just want to hear from you. Will you share with us in the audience just some of your story, the journey of your life, faith, leadership, family with us in the audience today to kick us off? Yes, I would love to. Um, well, I guess I'm kind of I'm kind of known as Dave Ramsey's daughter, which is a title I love. Some people are like, are you okay if we mention it? I'm like, yes, very proud of it. Uh, but growing up in that household, um, I was actually born the year mom and dad filed for bankruptcy. Wow. So I was born in April and they filed in September. So a good portion of the beginning of my life was them climbing out of that whole financially, trying to figure out God's and grandma's ways of handling money. Um, hanging on so their marriage wasn't taken by it all. I mean, it was just, it was a, it was a bumpy time that I was born into. And they uh, climbed out of it and really gained this perspective of finances and money and life. And that's kind of what took dad on that journey to what he's doing today. And I, I remember I was 15 years old and someone at the company was like, hey, Rachel, you should go to your dad's events because we would work at the back book tables as kids, like at his events, like we were always like part of it. And they're like, you should get on stage and talk about the kids products. And at the time, these events, you know, were six, 10,000 people, these arena stadium events. And I was like, what? No, 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 no. Anyways, long story short, I did it. I loved it. Fell in love with, with teaching and speaking and well, probably not teaching that much at 15 years old, more just the speaking and the, and the nerves. Learning, learning. There we go. <laughs> that's it, that's it. But I, I remember thinking, you know, after I got done that first time I spoke, 
uh, someone said, gosh, Rachel, like that, did you love it? And I was like, yes. I was like, I could do that again tomorrow. And they're like, well, that's a gift because most people hate public speaking. Like they want nothing to do with it. So I do remember that kind of being a little bit of a mile marker in my life of God kind of starting that path for me. I didn't know it at the time what that would look like, but I remember kind of thinking, oh, that's interesting. I enjoy something that most people don't, aka a gifting. That's kind of one of the signs I feel like you can find from God of like, okay, this is something that unique about me. And then when I went to college is when I realized the need for the message that I talk about every day now. So I was meeting 18, 19 year olds with student loans, they're signing up for credit cards left and right. I mean, it was just this mess. And I remember thinking, gosh, the decisions they're making now are going to affect them for the next five, 10, 15 years of their lives. And if they start making good decisions now, creating good habits, their whole life could look different, but they're not. And I remember like kind of dying inside me like, I want to help them, but I don't want to be the crazy money girl in college. It's like going around asking everyone how much debt they have and all of that. Um, but I, I kind of say that's kind of my light bulb moment where God shine that light on the message specifically. And, and then um, a few years later, when I graduated, I was like, okay, I want to take this speaking passion that I have, this passion for this message specifically and go like, I want to, I want to do this. So gosh, that was uh uh, over 10 years ago. And in the midst of graduating college, uh, my husband and I we had dated all through college, Winston. So we got married uh, right after we were babies and got married. And then now we have three kids, uh, three, five and under, which is insane. I feel like I have 17 kids, but I only have three. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's been a, it has been a absolute journey that God has, has taken me on uh, personally and with our family. And it's, it's been um, very, very life-giving, even though there's different seasons, you know, we all have different seasons of life and I'm in a lot of mom season right now with babies at home. Uh, but it's been, it's been huge to be able to help people with a really stressful, hopeless topic in their life. Uh, they don't have a lot of direction. They don't have a lot of inspiration. Uh, America doesn't. So being able to, to kind of insert uh, what we teach and give them hope and direction is is my passion. I love it. I love it so much. Rachel, that message resonates with Micah and I's heart so much, 100%, mm -hmm. because I think just our life experiences are such that, you know, we know what it's like to worry about money. We know what it's like to stress out about money, as a lot of listeners do. And I remember going to college, getting a first, like my first job when I was 14 years old, saving not taking out a penny in student loans and then recognizing like that set me up to say yes to God mm -hmm. and to take uh, my dream job at the time as a young adult pastor at a church and then working with college students and young adults for those six years, hearing the regret, sitting on the couch, watching the tears roll that are legitimate. That, and and I, I remember just this statement of like, I wish I knew then what I know now. And, and the message that you're working with teens, with young adults, with families, with young married couples, I think it's so significant because mm -hmm. when, you, when you mention the words college tuition or student loans, what people hear and think and feel is anxiety, stress, worry, fear, and panic. And so we're talking to today to a group of leaders of college students, pastors of young adults, and for those who are single themselves and listening, Rachel, and they're wanting to be married someday, we want to dive into marriage mm -hmm. and money as a focus. But a lot of these leaders are young themselves, single themselves. What could they do today in regards to personal finances that their future self and 
their future spouse will thank them for later. Yes, that's a great, I love that. Yeah. I know I even think about it just, I'm like, okay, what's the 40 year old, 45 year old Rachel going to think this like mid thirties, Rachel, what, what can I yes. do? Uh, Cause we all have that for sure. So yeah, I think, you know, when you're single, um, when it comes to money, you have a lot of responsibility because when you're married, you have two brains working, even though that can ha cause conflict and all of that, but you have two people thinking about everything. When you're single, it's you, like you're in charge of the grocery shopping. You're in charge of getting the car oil changed. Like it is all you. So you do have a lot of responsibility and it can feel very overwhelming. So I would say the biggest thing to do is just to create a plan. Like you need to be budgeting. You need to be figuring out where your money's going, being intentional. And what that's going to help you do is not only just help pay off debt, which would be another thing, start working your way out of debt, but you're just creating a, an environment of stability when it comes to finances. Wow. And when you get married, um, you will find that money is a tension point. You know, they say sex, in-laws, kids, money. I mean, like all of it, right? There's, there's like the top five and money's always in that top of the list of tension. But but I really do believe when you come into a marriage, the, the least amount of debt you can have, the more control you have and your perspective of who owns it, all three of those things is huge. Because if you go into a marriage and your hands has been open, uh, metaphorically, and I would say probably physically too, open with your money, knowing that you're managing all of it for God, and that's the perspective you're taking, that's going to bleed into other areas of your life. When you know, okay, this isn't my money, you start to realize, wow, this isn't my life. Oh wow, this isn't my this isn't my marriage. This is God's marriage. Like there's so many um, serving type opportunities we have to practice with our money that bleed into other areas. So, so yeah, I would say as a single person, gosh, get intentional, be budgeting, uh, get a strong foundation under you by being debt free, and then start working on your heart towards money and that perspective. Oh, I think that's a great reminder for myself and listeners to always manage that tension of money and finances and to know that everything that we do own is God's. Yeah. He, mm -hmm. you know, he lets us keep a portion of that. Like we don't get to keep it all. He lets us. And that's such a great reminder, Rachel, of how God is asking us to utilize that. And even in our singleness, most people think like, oh, you're single. You don't have a lot of money. But in reality, you have so much more giving freedom when you are single because you can allot money however you see True. fit. But once you, um, you put that ring on that finger and you say, I do, and you bring in that component of marriage and it's no longer a he and a she, but a we coming together. And one of those things where I would say majority of people merge together is um, in life is their money, is their finances, are their savings accounts and all those other things kind of come together. And Josiah and I, we went to one of your events and I absolutely loved it. It's the first time I had seen you in person that we met, we um, hear you, heard you speak and you brought up such an interesting concept that we kind of adopted into our marriage early on before we even said I do, I should say in our engagement right. process. Yeah. And I don't know if you coined this this phrase or if this is maybe just the first time I had ever heard of it but we've had mentioned something of financial infidelity and you kind of elaborated elaborated that day on what that is what that was and how we can avoid that and how we can honor God in the process so when you talk about a concept um, with maybe financial fidelity and its opposite, which you hit on stage a few years ago, which is financial infidelity. And can you share some fun stories about maybe you and your husband and how you guys have adopted these terms um, and how you can share that with the listener today who may be wrestling right. with their finances in general of 
Yes. All that messiness, I guess, more or less. It can be very messy. <laughs> it is. It is. No, it is so messy. Yeah. So financial infidelity, I think, it, I don't know. I think someone in the financial space coined that phrase because I've seen a lot of articles with it. I wish I could say I, I, I did, but I did not. Uh, but it really just comes down to the simple concept of, of, of hiding purchases or hiding money from your spouse and your spouse not knowing. So this is everything from a secret credit card to a purchase. And we make light of it sometimes like, oh yeah, you know, I hit the target bag under the bed or I threw it in the trash like you couldn't see it. Like, you know, it's like, it could be as small as that to as big as having this massive investment fund that your spouse has no idea about it. But what ends up happening is, um, into the extreme that it, that it does happen that when it when it is found out the other spouse on the side that it's been hidden says that it's that it hurts so deeply it almost feels like an affair wow. because what ends up happening is there's there is trust broken there's been a secret that's been hidden that they haven't known about meaning that you are not fully known you are not being fully um, who you are with your spouse and when, anytime that happens in marriage and we're none of us are perfect that that can happen. But man, when that happens in a marriage, uh, the fractures start to happen. And so you really, really have to be so open. And this is where I tell couples all the time. I'm like, listen, you have got to be on the same page. You like, I love that you said it's not a she and a he, it's a we. And the most hate, it's interesting. I get a couple of hate moments in my professional career for things I say. Uh, and I, and I, I say, you know, we're like, we want to take the credit card companies out of business. Like I'll say these extreme statements about the, about different things. But the one I get the most backlash on is when I talk about combining accounts wow. and being one with your money, man, people hate it. I mean, you think that I like rain over their puppy or something. I mean, like I feel like the like they hate it so much. And I'm like, guys, listen, when you become one in your marriage, you become one in every aspect, including right, yeah. your money. And it's very hard to win with money over the long term when you're running on two separate tracks. And I hear people all the time, well, you know, I have to be independent from the man. Like my mom always told me like I need to, you know, have my own thing and uh, never depend on a man. I'll hear that or I'll hear like, oh, well, she just spends it all. So I have to control it. Like it's so dysfunctional, all of it. And what ends up happening is it's not a money problem. That's a marriage problem at that point. There's wow. some kind of mistrust and, frac and fracture there. Like you have got to get on the same page. So with financial infidelity, man, when you hide stuff, that creates this huge bubble. And, and I think at the event, I joked, I was like, listen, forgetfulness is not financial infidelity. I remember this lady, I think I told this story out there, but she, I remember her coming up to me after, after an event one time and she just was in tears and how her husband committed financial infidelity and it was this whole big thing. And I was like, I mean, my heart broke for her because I genuinely thought, oh no, he's hidden. They have you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in credit card debt that she didn't know about. You know, And she was like, I mean, he went to Chick-fil-A twice last week. And he didn't tell me and I found it on the bank statement and all this stuff. And I'm like, lady, like it's Jesus chicken. Number one, you're fine. Number two, the poor guy probably had no clue. I'm like, get off your freaking high horse. Stop being so legalistic. It's, he probably forgot. So I give grace to say, and that's happened to me. Good Lord. I have made purchases. I, oh, oh, I like, I'll buy an app. And I'm like, I totally forget. And was like, what's this iTunes purchase? I'm like, I don't know. Someone's stolen our debit card information. <laughs> get to the bottom of it, babe. And turns out it's this app that I totally forgot I bought. And I was like, oh, yeah. 99 purchase would put us over. <laughs> <laughs> that, was me. that was me. Um, yeah. So like, man, stuff can happen. So this is not a forget mistake thing. This is an intentional financial infidelity is an intentional decision of hiding something from your spouse. And at that point, yeah, I think it's, I think there's uh, marriage issues that have to be addressed at that point. 
Yeah, that's so good. Rachel, here's something that Josiah and I learned when we were in um, marriage mentoring prior to our engagement, obviously. Um, and they talked about something too. They didn't use these terms that you just kind of touched on, but they did share. They said, hey, in order to eliminate the frustration or the friction and the conversations of the $2.99 app or the, you know, $10 of, you know, Target purchases or whatever. And they had said, hey, anything that we buy individually over X amount of dollars, we we have a conversation with our spouse, we inform them what we're wanting to purchase, and then we make that decision together. So it's like you can make it whatever value, if it's a $500 purchase or anything over $100. You know, it's like, so you pick as a couple what that number is, so then you can have that conversation. So it's like, if Josiah wants to buy $89 shoes and it's under $100 or whatever number of, of you know, a couple puts together, well, I'm not gonna be like, you spent $89 on shoes? Nope, you needed running shoes. That's what you decided to use your money for. We don't have to go crazy over a $103 bill of groceries either from Fresh Time. We can just simply say, hey, here's our amount that we're not gonna spend without the other person yeah. knowing. So I love that. And diffuse those, those freak out moments or those betrayals of the Jesus chicken or whatever you wanna <laughs> say. Budget, you you know, every person needs their line item. So as we talk about unity and stuff and coming together in your money and your budget, like there's a Rachel line item, there's a Winston line item. So you're exactly right. You can go, yes, every time I'm at Target buying mascara, I don't have to like text Winston like I'm buying this mascara, you know. Uh, it, you, you know, and it's communicated that, yeah, here's the amount of money. But if there is a purchase over that amount or more, yes, exactly what you're saying, then talk about it. And it's fine. I mean, it just um, versus feeling you have to go behind your spouse's back or you're hiding something. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, so good. Well, and the thing that you guys are both talking about, Micah and then Rachel, is like trust. Mm -hmm. And if, if you're single and longing to be married, like you're a steward of everything that God's placed in your head, your hands, your heart. And it's your opportunity to build a foundation of trust and habits of trust for the future. So when you meet that Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright, um, you can just hit the ground running together. And I remember a person of impact in our life, Andy Stanley pastors, a really large church in Atlanta, Georgia. And I remember him hearing him speak on like money and, and sex and just like some of the like marriage. And I remember he said at North Point Community Church, there are no marriage issues. And right then and there, he had my attention. I'm like, I want to move and go to that church. It sounds amazing. <laughs> and he's like, at our church, there's single people issues that never got worked out. Right. And now people got married and there's a whole bunch of single people issues that are unresolved in marriages. And mm -hmm. so I just look at to highlight and to kind of summarize everything we just talked about for the single person or dating or engaged and building a foundation, like let's work on our salvation, let's work on our issues, and then we can build a foundation of trust together in dating, engagement, marriage, family. And Rachel, for those who are married right now and they're wanting to start their marriage strong and strengthen their existing marriage, how could they start living like realistically and futuristically at the same time? I don't think those are like mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. How could they be on the same page where they can be loving their life? and not comparing their life to people's other social medias, you know? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, well, for couples that are married now, I mean, things like we just mentioned, like getting on a budget together, because when you agree on your money, 
man, Mary couples, you're not just agreeing on money. Like you're agreeing on dreams. You're agreeing on your fears. You're agreeing on your goals. Like so much money is just a tool. That is a tool to, to create a life we love. And it is, it's simply that that's simply what it is. And so being able to agree on that, you're agreeing on so much more than just money. So come together, do a budget together, agree where the money's going every month. That's going to help you on, on a simplistic level. But also, like you're saying, you know, that's going to that's gonna determine and dictate some of your maybe short-term goals, things that you're going to be wanting to do in the next, you know, year or two. But don't forget to dream. And Winston and I, we got in a bad habit of just like, man, I remember we, we just went through a season where it's like, okay, you wake up, you know, you're getting ready, you're trying to get breakfast going, you got a kid or two running around, you're like trying to get them, you're out the door, you're at work, you're coming home, you're trying to make dinner, <laughs> get kids baths, one's like running out of the bathtub naked, you're trying to get them, like you get them down for bed and like, you're just exhausted. You're absolutely exhausted. And then you wake up and you do the same thing over and over and over and over. And I remember uh, we went on a date one night and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm just exhausted. And he was like, me too. He was like, let's just, let's just dream about the future. He's like, okay, if money was no object, where would we be in five years? Amazing. When do we want to take our first Disney trip? When do we want to move houses? Do we want to be in a better school district? Like we just dreamed and we spent probably two and a half hours at this restaurant laughing, uh, just so full of joy. Not that all that stuff is going to just make us happy, but man, when you get in the rat race and the tactical things of life in and out, it can seem never ending. So as a couple, look up, like you have to like, just not looking down at what's happening today, but look up and dream and pray together and figure out, okay, where is God leading us as a couple? Um, and, and in the aspect of money, talk about that. Cause you may be both be like, Oh wow, that's a goal we want to do in three years. Okay. Let's start thinking about it. Let's start saving for it. Uh, it's out there in the future. I mean, just have those long-term goals because so many couples don't and they look up and I mean, I've heard the story countless times of couples, they're empty nesters and they're like, wow, who are we? What do we do now? And the kids aren't there. And I'm like, I refuse to be that person when our kids leave yes. and we still have like 18 years. But I'm like, let Winston and I have our marriage together, the fun that we have uh, and have different goals that money again is not the end all be all, but it's a tool to help support some of those dreams and those goals. That's so good. Rachel, you take me back to our honeymoon. And I say that because of everything that you're saying of you and Winston sitting down, long-term goals, short-term goals, the desire not to be in your marriage 20 years and look at each other and be like, who are you? Right. Why are we married? Who am I? And lose yourself in the everyday life. Like I want to enjoy the everyday life. And I want to get to the end of my life and say, wow, I've been faithful. God has been good. What a blessing to live for right. the Lord. And um, I say you take me back is because we were on our honeymoon and went to Hawaii. He saved up and was wise with money for 10 years before we even knew each other. And what we did is we sat, we made breakfast and we had a brunch. Oh, our baby's up. Oh, sweet thing. Oh my gosh. She's only six weeks old. So how old is she? Six weeks. Oh, and you are doing a podcast. Oh Yeah. So this is real life. So what do you say? People, the babies running around naked. We just gotta. We're just figuring it out too. But oh. speaking of that, one of our dreams was to have a family and to start mm. that process and focus on ministry first. Discover who we are in marriage and pray into the future. So a lot of our listeners know that Josiah and myself um, had our first baby girl, Aurora. But how can we as parents and anybody listening who is a parent or maybe desires to be a parent someday, how can we teach our kids about money from a young age in terms of Christian stewardship and make it fun in the process? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, number one, congratulations. Oh, oh thank you so much. You're the best. <laughs> you're in the thick of it too, man. That six-week mark. Whew, you're, 
You're, it's cluster you look right. You never look know what's right. going to happen. <laughs> I know. It's so true. It's so true. Um, yeah. So with kids, I heard Meg Meeker, Dr. Meg Meeker say this, and I loved it. She said, we're not just trying to raise good kids. Or no, it wasn't Meg Meeker. I apologize. It was, it was Andy Andrews. He said, um, we're not just trying to raise good kids. We're trying to raise kids to become good adults. And I love that quote because I'm like, yes, that's what it is. It's not just to be good in the moment as a child, but you're really setting them up to be an adult eventually. And so you have to think of that in terms of money. So what, as adults, what do we do? Well, to get money, we have to go to work. That's where money comes from. So teaching your kids that at a young age, you know, growing up in the Ramsey family, we were never given a, we were never given an allowance. We were always on commission. So you work, you get paid, you don't work, you don't get paid. And I love that because again, it taught, okay, that's where money comes from. It comes from work. And then there's three things you can do with money. You can give it, you can save it, and you can spend it. And your kids need to learn to do all three, just like as adults. That's what we do. It's a little bit more sophisticated in certain areas, but that, that's what it comes down to. And so teaching your kids that. So after they earn that, split it up into three. It doesn't matter the percentage. Again, don't get legalistic about it, but let them experience giving. Let them experience their hard work and giving some of it away to something that they love and they're passionate about. Let them save up for a goal. Have something, even if it's a small toy, save up and pay for it. And then spending. Let them spend. And yeah, they're going to make some mistakes in this area, but that's good. Let them make mistakes. Let them spend money on some toy that's going to break before they even get home, you know, and kind of give them the warning about it. But let them experience some of the, the life lessons that they can learn through that. I think that that's a great area to, to teach as well. So all three things kids need to know. And, um, and I would say just early on, we said it earlier, but it's just true. I think the ownership piece is huge. Like, I mean, I just grew up, it was just drilled into me. And I think it's just become a part of my psyche now of just that, that it's God. We are managers. That's, that's what a steward is. We are managing it for him. And what it does, it just brings up this, um, it kind of just gives you this higher calling, this higher perspective. And while we can all get in the weeds sometimes and, and get lost and comparing ourselves and wanting stuff, all of that, uh, it just really brings it up to a high level and, uh, it, it helps in your faith walk. I think it helps in your marriage so much as an adult now, that perspective was crucial. Amazing, Rachel. That's so helpful. We're taking notes because we're new family, new parents. And as we come to the close of this episode, we always do a final like rapid fire, five questions in five minutes or less. Are you up for that? Yes, let's do it. Okay. Question one. If you could describe yourself in three words so our listeners can get to know you better, what would they be? Okay, three words. Um, <laughs> I would say social. I'm like the biggest extrovert you've probably ever met. <laughs> uh, as social, um, I would say fun. And I would say um, spontaneous. Oh, that's fun. I love it. All right, Rachel, question number two. Are there any words that you live by? Maybe they're Bible verses, maybe they're quotes, or maybe they're words of wisdom across the board. What Do you have any yeah. that you want to share? It's kind of cliche, but it's true. It's a, oh, no. I'm sorry. Okay. Are you there? Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. You'll have to edit that. I apologize. We're good. We're good. Uh, Sounds like okay, a game perfect. show. That's okay. Great question. Must have been thinking. Yeah. So the words I live by, uh, a little cliche, but I think it just hits in every part of life. It's just treat others like you want to be treated. That is so great. So key. And Rachel, if you could ask Micah and I one question today, what would it be? 
Oh, if I could ask you guys one question. The curveball. <laughs> oh, are you ready for this? New parents? Because my, yes. my answer to this is absolutely yes. So you guys are very, oh no. Gosh. It's okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, uh, have you said anything at like 1, 2, 3 a.m. with the baby that you probably would never say in broad daylight <laughs> to oh. each other or in life? Have you had that? Have you had the hit the wall moment with the newborn where you're like, <gasps> Wednesday and I, we have a roll between one and 3 a.m. Whatever we say doesn't count. That is awesome. That's a good, we're, we're writing that down as words of wisdom. You know, I, we visited um, our, my in-laws, Micah's family, and it was a seven hour road trip to North Dakota. Right. And then we were staying in the same room as Aurora and we love this baby girl. She's a princess. And I didn't get much sleep at all. And then by 7 a.m., I just handed her to Micah and I was exhausted. I was like, I need help. So that was my word. Yes, that's good. That's so good. I know the hit the wall moment always happens. So that was my question. If you've had that yet. Oh my God. I don't think I've had that moment yet. I think it's more like my verbiage of like, sweet Jesus, I need you right now. Like I need help. I need strength. And I just need you. Like I love her, but I'm just like, I can hardly keep my eyes open right now. So I think it's more like, sweet Jesus, I need you. (laughs) I think I said at one point, I was like, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead needs to enter my body ASAP, like in a major way to help me. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love it. Great Great question, Rachel. Okay, we've come to question number four. We're almost done. Um, This is my question. I love to ask ask this question because I think many of our listeners have made mistakes with money. So I I would love for you to share, if you're willing to be vulnerable with us and our listener, what is one of the biggest or the most stupidest purchases you've ever made? Or like maybe like the biggest regret of like buyer's remorse. What did I do and why did I spend my money on that? A stupid purchase you've made. Yes. Um, it was recent. I mentioned it earlier about the app that once was like, what app is this? I was like, oh, okay. I hate working out. It's just, a, I just try. It's terrible. Anyways, <laughs> I got, I got sucked into this girl I follow on Instagram about this great workout app. Anyways, I purchased a workout app and I'm about to say the number because it just, I can't even believe I did it. That's my, it's a stupid purchase. $109 is what it ended up costing me for a year subscription to this app that I have used once. I've used it once. And so that cost me $109 and it was it's terrible. <laughs> well, oh, I think, gosh, I thanks for it. going there, Rachel, because oh. I think we're all human and, and, like we all make mistakes. We're, we're all on a journey. We never arrive and we can't get disheartened when we do make a purchase that it's like, you know what? I wish I could have that 110 bucks back, but next time, Lord, help me out. So Rachel, if you could leave a room that was filled with college pastors and young adult ministry leaders, if you could leave them with one piece of insight, wisdom, advice, one thing, what would it be? Um, I think I would just tell them, thank you for the work that they're doing. I mean, that's such a pivotal time in life. It's such a transitional period for so many young adults and college students. Just that that time is so crucial. It can be very lonely, can be very scary. Um, And the work they're doing is absolutely incredible walking side by side with that age group. Um, Man, that's a time that I just grew so much and it was thankful. And and it was because of people that are listening, right? It's that room of, of young adult pastors and mentors um, that you, you are helping the next generation truly. That is so helpful. And, and so I think means a lot to our listeners to say, 
thank you for doing what you do, Rachel, and say, thank you for saying yes to what God has called you to at a young age, and we can all benefit from your words of wisdom and your experiences. So we just want to say thank you so much, Rachel, for joining us on this great conversation today. And Josiah, are you excited? I'm excited, Rachel. Thanks so much. If you want to find out more about Rachel Cruz, her books, and her resources, you can check out our website and social media. It's www.youngadults.today. Awesome. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for having me on. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Rachel. Hope you Perfect. had fun. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast.